You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to Behind the Influence, a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. Hey guys, welcome back to Behind the Influence. I'm Tatiana. And as you guys know, our entire series is all about talking to pioneers within their respective industries, whether it's gaming, streaming, YouTube, music, food, fashion, dance. I mean, I could go on. If you have not had a chance to listen to every single episode, which I don't know what your excuse is, but I thought it'd be a fun time in the middle of the season to kind of do a recap in the form of a mashup. What I'm thinking is, and if we don't like this, we don't ever have to do this again, but I was thinking we go within each industry and we kind of highlight to you guys, the listeners, the big takeaways, the things that I thought were interesting within each episode in the event that again, you didn't have the time to listen to the entire thing. We're gonna start off with a topic in a world that is very near and dear to my heart, live streaming and also Twitch. And it's kind of the same world. Twitch is near and dear to my heart because my husband was a CSO of the company for a very long time. And live streaming is something that I've been doing for a very long time. And I I really love that whole world. I love how raw and real it is. And I love the connectivity with people who are listening or watching. Those were actually some of the very first interviews I even started off with. I thought it'd be a cool way to kick off this little mashup series. And if you guys don't like it, I'm listening to your feedback. We don't have to do it ever again. I just thought it'd be a cool way for you guys to hear from different aspects within each world within one episode. For this first episode, we're gonna cover the world of Twitch. Kevin Lin is a co-founder of Twitch. And so that's how really the idea started to come to be. And then we launched the brand in June, 2011. And Mane is the number one most followed female streamer on Twitch. So I think the first step is just trying it out as something that's enjoyable, interacting with people, showcasing your gameplay. That's really, how I did it. And then there's Anil, who is the director of partnerships at Twitch. It is a dream job. And to be perfectly honest with you, like I'm I'm humbled to be in it every day doing what I'm doing. I hope you guys enjoy this mashup. Let us know what you think. Without further ado, the world of Twitch, baby. 
If you haven't caught on by now, we're talking to Kevin Lin. You guys may know him as one of the founders of a small streaming company called Twitch. Without you, there'd be no Dr. Disrespect. There'd be no Ninja. I mean, there'd, there'd be, but what would they be doing? Uh, playing video games by themselves. <laughs> exactly. She has 3.4 million followers on Twitch. She has over 81 million views on Twitch. You have, is this accurate? Almost 2,800 hours streamed on Twitch? I have no idea. Okay, I, mean, I don't that's know. That's actually a stat I always wish I knew. Anil is the head of strategic partnerships at Twitch, a small, tiny little company you may have heard of. You've seen Twitch evolve over the last five, six years. Like God knows what's gonna happen in the next five to six after this. Then on June 11th, we, June, June 2011, we launched Twitch TV. It was this old, like, heavy metal space theme logo with a little TV with a ghost in it that Jacob had designed. Why Twitch? Uh, a variety of stories as to how we got there, but we were combing the internet for pronounceable single-syllable domain names that were available for sale. <laughs> so Bill, who built chat and among uh, many other things at, uh, at the company, Bill Morier, so he built this, like, domain crawler where he crawled all available domains that were like theoretically single syllable so roughly a vowel in the middle that seemed pronounceable that were available for sale and one of the first that popped on the list for all of us was zarth and it was available we looked up on urban dictionary it means like the the supreme state of being awesome or something like that so like oh, that seems okay right then one day emmett's like all right guys if no one comes up with anything better we're going to use Zarth. And that's when we're like, okay, scramble. So we're like figuring out all these other brands. And then the word Twitch comes up for, for, for it's like, to me, when it popped into my head, we were talking about like, what are things gamers need to be good? And so it was like fast Twitch muscles, blah, blah, blah. But really the word just kind of stuck in all of our it's heads. It's so perfect. It's, it was perfect. It was an empty vessel. You could tell, you know, there's a story there about games, but it was just a word we liked. We bought Twitch.tv. That's how it came to be. That's how it started. And we designed, Jacob designed the logo. And then one year later, 2012, we launched the new logo that you see today, that 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 that, that more retro mm. homage logo. It looks like Amazon has purchased game streaming company Twitch.tv for close to $1 billion. You have a lot of fans. You have all these people watching you. You are doing this five days a week as your career. Yeah. How does one <laughs> get here? Well, interestingly enough, when I first started, I never, ever thought it would be this. And I feel like everyone says that. And I kind of think that that's a key aspect to becoming a good streamer is when you start, it's genuinely just something that you enjoy that you would be happy to do as a hobby. I think I sometimes see people get into it and they're like, I want to make money. I want to hit these milestones. I want to hit these goals. And if you're doing it with that in mind, as opposed to this is an activity that I like, for example, you're probably not going to find like an Olympian runner that just hates running outright, right? So I think the first step is just trying it out as something that's enjoyable, interacting with people, showcasing your gameplay. That's really how I did it. Twitch is hands down one of the most successful companies out there. When you think back to how you landed the role what were the steps that you took in your own? Because you got the job when you were fairly young. Yeah. So did you have a background in streaming or were you just a gamer who found out about this platform because you were using it and you were like, I'm going to apply for a job there? How did you land there? Man, I don't know where to begin. I'll, I'll give you the condensed version or at least what I would assume to be the most condensed version. When I was younger, I actually competed in gaming. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was like 15, 16, I played a game called Counter-Strike. Never heard of it. It's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. 
Colin plays it all the time. Oh my God. It almost caused multiple divorces, but let's, <laughs> let, this isn't about me. <laughs> we could talk about that off the record, but I played a shit ton of Counter-Strike when I was in high school. Actually, funny story. So my mom and dad gave me an option. They're like, okay, we can either build you a brand new computer or we'll get you a car. And if I got a car, I can go get a job and go make some money and then buy a computer. But I was like, no, fuck that. I want a computer. I want it right now. So I got a computer, ended up dropping like three racks in 2005, which was like a shit ton of money for a computer. Also, let's just, a lot of teenagers would have chosen a car. Yeah, I'm an idiot. But looking but, back. But it worked out. It did. It was the best decision I made. But your parents were probably like thinking they scored because they're like, we don't have to get this kid a car. Right. Yeah, let's go get a $3,000 computer. <laughs> That's fine. He's not going out anymore. <laughs> so I, I got into pro gaming and I, I was doing it for about a year. It really sucked. I wasn't good. Why did you get into pro gaming? Because back then, I don't even think it was, it was a like a thing. Cool, it was like a cool thing. It was like an underground community. Underground. You know, like there's okay. websites like Gotfrag that you can go into that like shared scores and tournaments from like all around the world. And back then, it was like a little underground society. Like you only heard about these tournaments happening in like Sweden and you would hear about like the world cyber games. And that was like the pinnacle of like events you know nowadays we got a shit ton of events going on on like on a monthly basis back then you only had one or two worldwide i did it for about a year and i realized look my grades are failing i'm not doing well i need to grow up i need to like focus on what teenagers care about which is like going to school and getting a job and meeting a girl and all this other teenage mm -hmm. shit i ended up going into school for pre-med i did that for like three years and wow. then my mom and dad had to sit down with me with my brothers and were like what do you really want to do and i'm like i want to go become a doctor and they're like no you don't we know you don't want to be a doctor. We know you hate it. What do you really want to do? And that was like my breakthrough moment of like being very honest with myself. What good parents. I, I, I feel like the majority <laughs> would be doing the polar opposite. I'm Especially in a space that your parents probably were not familiar with and did not understand. They did it. And they totally had a read on me. Like they they knew wow. me inside and out. So I, I think it was just like their own intuition. They knew that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing or trying to pursue what I what I thought I wanted to do. Anyways, that caused me to like dial back and Coincidentally, at the same time, StarCraft II, which the franchise was like everything to me, was getting announced. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back into playing some video games and we play StarCraft II. And I really wanted to get good at the game. So I went on YouTube and I started watching like tutorials. And I found Justin TV, which was like the, the sister company of Twitch back in the day. And T, like when I tell you, like I was an avid fucking viewer, like I was on that shit all day really i was up until like 5 6 a.m watching like the korean like starcraft league which was like going on from like 1 a.m all the way up to like 5 a.m every fucking night and then i would roll into class like half awake but i did that and i loved it you were a part of social cam and justin yeah. tv and all this stuff well years 2006 i just moved to san francisco justin and emmett after graduation they graduated 2005 they had built a calendar company they sold it on ebay <laughs> They sold their company on eBay, packed up their stuff, drove across the country with Michael. Michael was working for Quasium Fume, raising money for a Senate campaign in Baltimore. But they kept in touch. They got together, drove, drove across the country. And I was house-sitting for my old boss. So I invited him over for a barbecue. We were hanging out in the hot tub. And, and Justin's like, I got, we got this idea for a business. I was like, okay, what? We're going to stream my life 24-7. <laughs> Could like, you imagine you know, one of your friends being like, I have this genius idea. You guys are going to stream my life. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's just like, you know, you look, I'm just like sitting there like, you know, I really like you guys. And it's awesome. I'm really happy you're moving to San Francisco. And I really don't want to discourage you or offer anything that might prevent you from starting your dream. But that idea is really kind of the worst. And like, why would you do this to yourself? 
And they explained it, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, you know, like they had ra- they raised they were raising money from angels, and a lot so of they people they already had this bet. idea in motion. They were already starting to talk to people about it, okay. and and so I was like, okay, cool. Like, let me know if I can help. You know, like I I, I the so only- is this a hot tub conversation? This I was like a visual. hot tub and barbecue conversation. Okay, so let's just let's pretend everyone's in the hot tub. Yeah. So it's Justin Kahn, Emmett Shear, Michael, Michael Seibel, Seibel, and yeah. Kevin Lynn. And there were like I think a couple of other people, but I was so zoned in on this conversation, just thinking through like what. What in blaze? What what could this actually? So look Justin's like? pitching you in the hot tub. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is this is the imagery. So he's pitching this genius idea. He's already spoken to angel investors, so it's not like he's like brewing the idea and running he's it. He's already the tested it. Yes, he's testing. He's testing it with many people. Okay. And and people are like, yeah, sure, <laughs> we'll give you money for that. And you got to remember, like in in like the early 2000s, there was all kinds of weird experimental stuff that was happening in live video. I actually had like just a laptop and really bad internet and I had to beg my parents to upgrade the internet so it was like streamable internet (laughs) and I saved up a bunch of money to buy a secondhand custom built PC off of Kijiji which is like Canadian Craigslist Mm. so yeah I bought this PC. How long ago was this? This was my senior year of high school so about six years ago now. Really didn't like envision much for it i just thought it was really fun to have people like come into my channel and i talk to them and they respond and we like create this connection i kept streaming two years into it well i ended up going to university because in my mind it was always like very ingrained in me from my parents like you go to school you get your degree maybe you do post-grad or you become a doctor i don't know very much one of those households so i went to study chemical engineering at mcmaster university And two years into that, one month, I made, like, a substantial amount of money. And when I say substantial, I mean, like, when you're a college kid and you're, like, at least $20,000 in debt and you make, like, 5 to 10K in a month off of, like, sponsorships or subscriptions or donations, you're, like, holy... Do I swear on this? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) And so they're like, go be an engineer, but don't do what we did. Don't teach after. Go get a job. Go get a real job. But learn engineering. It's really important. And ideally, go be a doctor. That was also pre-med track. They had it all figured out. Yeah, that was that was the plan. And then I took this uh, class called EEB 101, which was the diversity of life with this teacher named Leo Buss, who was this like awesome ecologist guy and loved it. And I was like, I'm going to switch to ecology and evolutionary biology as my major. That was like the first rift I had with my parents were like, no, paying for school, you are going to study engineering. Meanwhile, we're playing a bunch of video games in the office. Street Fighter was like kind of one of those always on games. Like there's this droning Street Fighter background music that was always on in the office. Then one day StarCraft II beta comes out. This was in May 2010. Somehow we got access to it and we were already thinking about games. But then this game comes out, we get it and we were playing it nonstop. And we're watching, we're realizing we're going home and watching videos on YouTube, trying to get better, learning. And we're like, huh, this should be live. Like, why would this not be live? And sure enough, we had a we had a small community of gamers back in the day. This was like Kaiba, four-player podcast. Ustream had a bunch, Lord Cat, and so on. And so there was, there was a small community of game streamers on a variety of platforms. And so we started reaching out. What can we build for you? And a lot of people that we reached out to in the beginning that we eventually like eventually worked with us or became a partner were like, you guys are terrible. We hate you. Justin TV brand sucks. Like, go away. And we're like, no, 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 please. Like, let us ask you some questions. And we promise we'll go away. But we might build some stuff for you. We'll let you know. That just continued to, to sort of positively spiral. More conversations, more feature development. We branched out this subdomain called JTV Gaming. 
And uh, that became like the home. That was one of the big pieces of feedback we got was first one being we got to figure out how to make money. Uh, then there all these technical features like transcoding, high quality, blah, blah, blah. All these important things that we, we had to build very quickly. But the big thing was they were like, we want a home. We want a place where we can go and hang out with other gamers. Not all this other weird stuff. Not all this noise. We want a home for gamers. And so that's how really the, the idea started to, to come to be. We were toying with it as Justin T JTV Gaming. We didn't yeah. launch as that. We just did it. We built, a, just did we built it. a brand, but we didn't really make noise about it. Right. Then on June, 11th, we, June, June 2011, we launched Twitch TV. And so to me on the periphery, I just saw Justin popping up on like Today Show, on the front page of the SF Chronicle, like doing all this stuff, kind of doing it, like becoming this internet celebrity by streaming himself 24 seven. And it's just like, this is so wild. Cause I tune in and I'm like, this is the most boring shit ever. Yeah. He's just sitting there just like looking at his laptop. Like why do people watch this? But it was for these moments, all of a sudden something would happen. And that was enough. Like one day they bumped into Dave Chappelle and that was a big deal. Right. So it was, it was cool to start see, to start to see like, okay, I see that people will tune in to wait for these things, but guess what? They weren't just doing that. They were talking with each other. They're talking to Justin. Justin's responding to them in chat. So it's actually not as boring as as if you dig a just one tiny little bit layer deeper. Mm. People were just hanging out. Yeah. And that was the that was what I finally realized was like this this power this platform that they were building was it's a way for people just to hang out with other people when they're alone or with other people, but mostly for when you're alone. You know, you when you're walking around somewhere, you're doing your errands or or whatever. Wouldn't it be nice? If you could just chat with somebody, you know, if you don't have somebody to be there with you. So that, that, to, that to me started to resonate. But that was, you know, it really was like it was just crazy to see. Yeah. So Kevin Lynn, who is one of the founders, actually is one of my good friends. And we interviewed him for this show. Mm -hmm. And he was saying when they initially launched Justin TV, which was prior to Twitch, people were just in there because they were lonely and they just wanted mm -hmm. interaction with other people and being and they were just watching Justin do day to day things. Mm -hmm. Ironically, they were alone, but they weren't alone. Yeah. Because they call it your community, right? On Twitch, it's a community. What would you say your community is made up of? Mm -hmm. So for me, interestingly enough, I think it's highly dependent on the game that I play. And oh, I can tell by the way that my chat changes. Mm. Like if I play something like Fortnite or Minecraft, I know the audience skews younger. I know if I play like League or do IRL content like in person or walk around or travel then it's really just about anybody. League is definitely like young adults. So like you can tell by the way your chat behaves, the kind of stuff that people are saying, typically with the demos like. I like to think that I think I have like more female viewers than most people. I think that's very normal though, because mm -hmm. you know, when you watch content, it's a lot easier to relate to someone who's of the same gender as you. I think it's pretty wide because I can kind of tap into different demos by playing different games, mm -hmm. which is really cool. I fucking loved every bit of it. And what was it? What was it about that that hooked you? Was it you were trying to learn? Was it a learning experience? Was it you were just the voyeuristic element of it, which I think a lot of people are drawn to that? Imagine picking up a new hobby that doesn't really have much of a culture, much of a community around it. You find one little outlet, mm -hmm. one little outlet, and there's like one place where you kind of feel like a sense of belonging and something that you can actually take away on a day-to-day, -day, something you can learn from. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was Justin TV and watching like these Korean leagues at the time. Plus, you're interacting with other people in chat. So there's like this other like kind of shared experience that you kind of experience with other people along the way. And for me, that was everything. Mm -hmm. I, I told myself, I'm like, one way or another, I'm, I'm going to find a way to get a fucking job here. Anyway, so a lot of people were experimenting with like, 
you know, now with the with the with the promise of the internet, like the ability to just do whatever you want and demonstrate that to whoever feels like watching you was tested a lot before that, but the technology wasn't there. The, the the infrastructure wasn't there. So the timing window around when they decided to start streaming and walking around San Francisco is 2007. It was still EVDO. You know, if you're lucky, 500 kilobits per second. So it's still choppy video, low quality. Um, but really, they actually did this show for a while. Justin streamed himself sleeping to waking up and getting ready, going to the bathroom, sitting and working, walking around San Francisco. Are you involved at this point or? I'm like on the periphery. I'm still, I had just, you know, I moved in 2006 in San Francisco. So I didn't want to, you know, they didn't ask me to because I, I, I was, frankly, would have been completely useless to them. Questionable if I was ever actually useful to them. Um, but anyway, I was del- delivering beverages. So I was like, oh, I want to help these guys. And so I go to their, like, they, you know, Michael was originally the producer. His title was a producer. Justin was CEO. And Michael would cook for everybody every day cooking all these delicious meals. He loves cooking. But he what he was doing was really gathering people around what they were up to. And so friends from Dropbox, Airbnb, like at the time, all would just come hang out over dinners. The Bay Area is not a very big hub for gaming. Like LA is, but the Bay wasn't. So any opportunity that there was an event, like I volunteered, spent some time throwing my own money into it. And then I got a job at Zynga. Okay. That was like my big break because that was like my first step into the gaming industry. And Zynga not, is not necessarily the pinnacle. Like, they're not like a true, like, hardcore gaming company, but it was in the gaming industry. And I met a lot of talented people there, made, made a lot of friends, and I used actually my salary at Zynga to bootstrap my own StarCraft team. And it was great. I fucking loved every minute of it. And anyways, over time, about a year of doing that while working at Zynga, the right opportunity knocked on my door at Twitch. And that interview process took like three months. It was nerve So at this point, was it already Twitch? It was already Twitch, yeah. Okay. It was about a year into it. Twitch was already kind of like a formed company. Um, when you heard about Twitch for the first time, what were your initial thoughts? I was like, holy shit. I thought I can break in as a streamer. So I actually streamed for like two years. I wasn't good at it. I really wasn't. But, you know, I loved, I loved every bit of it. Uh, and for, for me, I would say Twitch had a really cool, like, gothic, like, nerdy, like, steampunk look to it back then. And then, like, six months in, or I think it was about a year after they, like, reframed it into, like, a whole purple company, which I absolutely love because purple is just a pimp color, you know? It's fucking dope. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Like you were saying, back then there weren't household names like Ninja making mm-hmm. millions of dollars where your parents, not even, close. not even close, where your parents could point to a case study and say, okay, you know, it's not completely out of the question mm-hmm. that Pokey could make a living, or your name was not Pokey at that time, <laughs> <laughs> that, that Iman could yeah. make that much money and survive and mm-hmm. make this a way of life, basically. So there was no case point proving that this was an actual reality you were just kind of trying to convince them based off of nothing exactly especially because i mean at least there's youtube and most people know about youtube but live streaming even nowadays is still relatively new and three four years ago even more so like they didn't even really understand what it was like is it a video is it not who are these people texting you Mm -hmm. you know so i'm very very grateful that they trusted me enough to take that chance So, yeah. Okay, so talk me through that first year. You have a one-year timeline. Mm -hmm. The pressure is on, right? (laughs) At this point, you open a Twitch account. I'm assuming this is, was it on Twitch where you were streaming or somewhere else? uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've always streamed on Twitch the last six years. So basically, I started senior year of high school. And then two years into that, so four years ago, I decided to go full-time. Got it. Yeah, and that was two years into my university degree. So at that point, I was like, okay, I need to really give this a full shot. And I come from Canada. That's where I grew up. And I basically decided to momentarily move to Los Angeles because that's basically where the esports hub is. That's where all esports players are. That's where a lot of live streamers are. That's really where any event in relation to gaming or esports is typically held. So I was like, I need to be here or at least try it out and see how I feel about it. It was a shift in culture. I think gaming has always had the stigma from, uh, I guess, pop culture where it's like, you know, you're some kid that lives in the basement eating Hot Pockets. So the whole South Park reference of like, 100%. you know, the wow reference where you're sitting at home, living in your basement, eating Hot Pockets, shit like that. So for me, one of the things that I've been very passionate about is like moving away from that stigma and really kind of unveiling the the mask behind the community and showing like, yo, these are just people like everybody else. These are fucking awesome people. They're talented people. They're, they're cool people. And they're just like you and I, they're not any different. And it's weird to say that like gamers have always had this label of like, oh, you're a gamer. So thus you are this type of person. It's like, no, I'm not. Anyone's a gamer. What I loved about it is that a lot of people who in the past would be quiet about being a gamer, closet gamers, if you may, start to come out and realize like, hey, it's actually cool for me to share this information with you. It's like, I love fucking video games. As a matter of fact, check out my entire collection. 
weren't really apparent or really present in social media before, and now they are, and it's starting to become more of a widespread thing amongst culture. The fan base that you've built will open any door that you want. So you do have this influence, and if you want to do a makeup line one day, you're going to do a makeup line, and it's going to do really well. (laughs) And if you want to, incredible thing about streaming, it's it's not just streaming. I mean, think of YouTubers and Mm -hmm. think of or the internet in general. It allows you to just reach such an insane amount of people, and it really helps you recognize that however unique or particular you may feel, there will be people that will love that about you and people that will want to be part of your community. You just, you know, have to reach wider and wider. What were you at that point thinking about just people's use of the Internet? It was that was that opening your mind up to other possibilities and inspiring other things that you thought this could be much bigger than any of us could imagine? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were, you know, we started thinking about different ways to use the platform. YouTube was skyrocketing then and then eventually got acquired um, and became this like level of aspiration for us, right? Instagram, same timing. Um, oh, that's right. All these and around 2008, are... that's YouTube was doing partner programs. So were yep. you guys seeing the partner programs at YouTube and thinking maybe we should be doing a partner program? Yes, for sure. We didn't really do partnerships actually in the very beginning. We just, we were, we, it was moving too fast and we were too small of a team. Um, but we, in, so 2008, the recession hits. I think that was one of those, you know, it was hard, but it was one of those most important things we that, that, that could happen to the company, which was we realized we had to figure out how to monetize because mm. our costs were starting to get out of control because the traffic was growing so quickly. And it's global traffic and certain countries are just way more expensive to, to deliver content into. But we're starting to spend, you know, in theory, we could get very quickly to millions of dollars of cost per month. And we hadn't raised that much money. And meanwhile, our competitor, Ustream, where Colin was at. Yes, I was going to say to you, at what point does Ustream enter the picture? Because you guys were first. Right. The, yeah, the timing was pretty close. We so we raised some money in two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine in two tranches, but we had only raised I, th- I think it was about twelve million total. Then Ustream goes out and raises sixty million dollars. I remember that. and moves actually their office to a vantage point of ours, like a really nice new building that literally looked onto our shitty barn door, and we're like, okay, like what are we gonna do? So we started just reaching out, going to, going to events, networking in the ad world. And we figured out between 2008, 2009, how to make money. And we actually became profitable. So with the streamers, because you work with them so closely, I do want to talk about without getting into specifics, because so many people who don't understand the world, world of streaming do not understand how these people make a living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like my parents, for example, don't understand Twitch, don't understand how kids can spend all day long gaming Mm -hmm. and live these great lives and make six, seven figures. When did this become a reality? Because I know when you first started in the, in the streaming world, you were saying like making five, $500, a $1,000. When did it start to become very, very real when it comes to making a legit amount of money? I think as the new vectors for monetizing started to become more apparent, is when it starts to become more of a reality. And to kind of like dive into that, you know, there's first party vectors like running advertisements on your stream, selling subscriptions, which is effectively like people pledging to you on a monthly basis in exchange for stuff like custom emoticons, a cool badge. And beyond that, we we, we have plenty of other vectors. We've, we've launched a digital good called Bits that you can earn both by purchasing and also by watching advertisements. You know, there's merchandise or sponsorships. I, I could go on and on in terms of the first party, but what 
has really become a, a big phenomenon is the sense of acknowledgement. When you look at people who subscribe to channels, we've actually built in first party tooling for people to be recognized for that, for their support. So if you were to subscribe to my channel, you're paying me five bucks to, 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 to support me. That gets recognized not only in my channel, but if I have overlays on my stream, I can kind of customize that experience based on how I want. I can make it a big, you know, big party. I can make it something really wild, or I can have it just be something that pops up on the stream, and I can acknowledge you, recognize you, and thank you for that personally. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that's very fulfilling, and that's something that they kind of get addicted to in terms of the behavior. And you think about that experience, and you think about stuff like tipping. Tipping is third party. People do that through vectors like PayPal. And through that, they can also add in messages. And usually some people will do stuff like text-to-speech. So they'll put in a message. It'll read it out loud back to the streamer as they're streaming, and they can, like, respond back to it live on stream. Or maybe sometimes people will be really shitty and troll and see something inappropriate, but it's still read out loud, and people do it for the shits and giggles. Going back to earlier days and even today, do you feel like, in a sense, that sometimes you're almost like a casting director? <laughs> you know, early on, I felt like that, I think the scene has evolved quite a lot in the last year um, for the better. Because and before they're applying and they're like telling you why they should be a partner. What is it like now? How do people now apply to be a partner? So the vector now is we have a internal system that's kind of automated half of the, the trouble of like applying. So what you got to do now is actually qualify for the metrics through what we have in our dashboard is like Twitch achievements. So you have to attain 75 viewers for about two to three weeks so that you're maintaining consistency. And it has to be raw numbers. So, like, you can't have that from people hosting you, from people rating. It has to be numbers that you have been able to attain and retain on your own over over the two week, two to three-week period. So for those people, once they've done that and once they've met a few other criteria, they actually get a little button that allows them to apply. And once they apply, same exact flow as how it is from the past, which is, like, they get to tell us about themselves. But now we've been able to reduce the volume of people who are getting zero viewers are just applying for the sake of applying and we're able to get in people who are actually qualified and it's a guided experience so people that aren't qualified they'll understand why they're not qualified they'll be able to see what metrics they really need to attain to get to that point back in the day you didn't have that sometimes it would take us weeks on end to get back to you because of the volume of applications being so high but now we've been able to cut that back and been able to keep it focused on quality over quantity we have had celebrities reschedule interviews on this show mm -hmm. because they're burnt out. Mm -hmm. They just went back to back on tour or, you know, they've been shooting for 30 days straight with no break. I imagine that the world of streaming is very similar, if not more intense, because you have all this pressure to put in. Like you said, consistency is really key. Mm -hmm. How much is too much? And is streaming burnout real? And do you step in and intervene as somebody who works on the partner side? For sure. I definitely acknowledge it as a real thing. And I think burnout comes in different shapes and forms. It could be traveling too much for, for, for different obligations. It could be streaming too many hours. It could be getting too hyper-focused on one particular game. I mean, burnout comes in different shapes and forms and different variations overall. I think to, to, to answer your question, yeah, we do intervene. To what level? I can't go into specifics, but, you know, we... We don't want our streamers, we don't want our partners, our friends being affected by by burnout. And when they are when they are affected by it, we try to intervene and try to help them out, understand where they're coming from, and try to ultimately understand what we can do proactively in the future rather than being reactive. And I think that's the biggest issue. Is like right now, 
we're all learning together. You know, it's still a brand new industry in terms of how people are monetizing content in terms of the community growing. And so there's a lot of work to be done. I will say for, for, for from my personal standpoint, like this entire, like my entire commitment this year has been focusing on how do we minimize that burnout because it is becoming more apparent and situations like the, the Drake and Ninja event really has evolved Twitch and it's kind of grown into like this mainstream level. It's becoming a household name, which I'm really proud about. But as a result, people are kind of experiencing this like supernova explosion in growth as well. And so they're building up this anxiety of like, if I don't stream for X amount of hours or X amount of days, someone else is going to take over. I'm going to lose subscriptions. I'm going to lose momentum. How true is that though? I mean, is it, there are so many streamers on Twitch. If you decide to take a week off, does that dramatically change your viewership or your subscriptions? In terms of the raw numbers, if you're looking at it from a raw standpoint, like inevitably, yes, it will. I think the issue is we need to do a better job on our end in terms of how we're presenting those numbers to you so you can better understand what are those changes. Because naturally, people do lose subscriptions on the day-to-day, even if they are streaming. People do churn just because their subscriptions expire. Some people said to not renew. They confuse that with the days that they take off from streaming as people are unsubscribing to them or they're losing subscribers. And inevitably, like anytime you take off, yes, you're losing traffic to your channel. But we are trying to get creative with how we resurface content in your channel and also how we alleviate that anxiety. Because ultimately, that's my biggest pain point right now. I was like, I hate seeing people feel like they have to be on behind the stream at all times. They have to produce content because if they don't, they lose momentum. It's a really shitty feeling because it really starts to interfere with their personal life. And how do you get out? You cannot get off the hamster wheel. There's just it's it's there's too much at stake for sure. But I really think it's just about planning your time mm-hmm. ahead of time so that you can say, I'm blocking off these hours to stream. I can schedule this dinner in at this time. If I want to do a breakfast, I'll just push my stream back. And making sure that you're at least putting in the effort to fit those things in. Otherwise, if you just continue with your schedule and never plan for anything else or really avoid being flexible in any way, you'll miss out on a lot of like really good opportunities to build relationships or mm-hmm. put effort into your friendships. And that's really important. There was actually a clip recently of a live streamer talking about this. And he said something along the lines of, I grinded for many, many years. I'm really glad that I kind of made it to the top of streaming, but I've had to make a lot of sacrifices. I basically don't have any friends or relationships or anything of that sort. It was a very, very that makes me sad, sad clip. Yeah, it's always something that I've wanted to kind of preach to all streamers because it's very, very easy to get lost in the numbers and get stuck on like, when is the optimal time to stream? I have to be consistent, I have to do this, I have to do that. But at the end of the day, you have one life and friendships and relationships are such an essential part of that. Your career can't be everything, especially on Twitch because it's very volatile and sometimes for reasons outside of your control. So you have to make sure your happiness is tied to other things. Yeah, I really hope for him and for any other people that are maybe very work intensive, they learn how to fit in friendships and relationships. And manage their time. The shitty thing about the internet really is that you can you can hide behind a screen and be whoever the fuck you want to be. You could be a dick. You could be an asshole. You could be a racist. And a lot of people think they can get away with it. And it's shitty because a lot of people do it for the simple fact of just like getting a reaction out of other people. They don't really have a purpose. They don't really have an intent. That's unfortunate. I hope culturally with the entire internet that's something that we start to pivot away from and change. It's a pipe dream. But I really, I really think like that's something that needs to happen as a whole. It's not just within Twitch. It's not just within YouTube, Twitter, or, or, or any of these other like microcosm communities. Like it's the entire internet. And I think 
when you look at Twitch and what we're doing, we have a we have both product features that help prevent and protect streamers from malicious behavior happening and also behaviors and even activity. Again, I can't go into all the specifics in terms of what, but of we do have product features that allow for you to moderate your channel automatically. So maybe you don't have moderators in your channel. We have an auto mod feature. So, and you can dial that from like a one to four. You can adjust it to based on how, how you want your chat to be controlled, how you want to conduct your community. And we also do a lot of education. When you become a partner, a lot of what our team focuses on is empowering these streamers on how to be more vigilant, not only with the content that they're putting on stream, but with their community, with their moderators and how they're thinking about their content on a day-to-day basis. Because every time you're playing a new game, you're welcoming a new opportunity for people to come in and say something toxic, say something rude about you. And it is a trained behavior. Training your community is a very difficult thing to do. So from a general perspective, there's definitely a ton of education. There's product features, but um, when it comes to working with partner streamers, there's a lot more involvement. There's a lot more proactive empowerment. We do a lot of coaching and education around it. It's a cat and mouse game. Toxic people are always looking for new vectors to be able to kind of attack your stream and, and buck with you. And I think it's it's going to continue to be an evolving, iterating game where we have to improve upon and, and basically do more to, to protect not only our streamers, but our entire community. I think that with any kind of change, people are always going to be resistant to it and people act on different ways. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. When you're on the internet, people... People act however they feel like acting. They might want to be a shithead one day. They might be cool about another day. But what change, especially in anything on the internet, like people always react negatively to it, even if it is for the betterment of, of everybody. We're not trying to change the platform. What we're looking at is adjacent content, right? So if you're a gamer, you like food. If you're a gamer, you like music. And so these are the things that we look at that are like one degree adjacent to what is gaming content. So we're not deviating away from what we are. We are a gaming platform. We're going to continue to be a gaming platform. That is our community. That is our bread and butter. But we are welcoming to everybody that is has an interest in gaming content. We do have adjacent content that's also available for you to do, but our core focus is gaming. There are going to be people who are going to be resistant to that. That's perfectly fine. I think you're going to find that everywhere. For us, it's really just about making sure that we have the most welcoming community, the most welcoming platform, and people feel like it's a safe place for them to be themselves. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot how do you work work life balance because I look at your yeah. community of people everyone's asking for a meeting with you everyone wants to see you you're in LA now I keep looking at the clock because I have anxiety and I'm like he's in LA for two days I bet you he has 500 people to meet with it's not easy I mean I I think I I text a lot <laughs> text is like a good good way to keep in touch ask quick questions and so on particularly for like startups that need help like they'll just text me stuff i'm just text, text, text me that but i don't know i do feel bad i feel bad a lot like there's a lot of people i i lost touch with you know in the last 11 years like just being so focused on the on work as a you mean personally yeah imbalance mm-hmm. in life like i lost touch with a lot of really great friends from high school and college and some of those are irreparable, unfortunately. So I think these days I try to be a bit more conscious of it. I try to check in, do events. Is a, events is a great way to get a bunch of people together at the same time, get to know each other too, and 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 so on. But I don't know. I have a core group of friends I'll hang out with. You know, just whenever you feel like relaxing, doing nothing, playing video games, maybe you know. You you're too. really good at relaxing though. Like I notice when you when you decide that like we are at a wedding and we're gonna just have fun. You're awesome at just removing work conversation, which some people are like, every conversation is like a work conversation. You're really, I think you're really good at separating the two. That's the hard part of being in San Francisco these days. Yes. And it's kind of always been that way since I moved there 13 years ago. Everyone just talks about their projects and and ideas. Yeah. I'm like, guys, just go chill. I, I don't know. For me, I don't sleep a lot, so I'm trying to. I'm trying to get seven hours. I think it's very important to roughly sleep the human average. But I don't sleep a lot, so I end up like you know staying up late texting. I, I bond with, I connect with friends over video games. I'll you know um, go go to events and stuff like that. Instead of being bothered by things in the community, I do my best to kind of change the standard and educate people because that's the main you know like that's where ignorance comes from just not understanding or lack of education so what I'll do is I'll say okay well maybe like I look this way because I'm sick or it's not really something that's nice to call out and the more that you can kind of fix those types of behaviors but in a kind loving educational manner the less likely those things are to happen within your community and then the less people see that stuff the less they want to make similar comments elsewhere so I also try to set the standard not only in a nice way but sometimes in a funny way like if I see a really really just dumb rude comment I will also make a joke out of it and I think that in that same way it kind of teaches a lot of other people a lesson on why they shouldn't make comments like that. It's so funny you say that because our last iteration of the show, it was a radio show, so it was live. And then we were also streaming it on Twitch. And it was like our first taste of chat. And let me tell you, (laughs) 
I would, I don't know how every, every time the show wrapped, I would like cry to Allison. Like they're so mean. There's, no. and it was one mean comment, but oh, it got under yeah. my skin, you know, cause I'm a sensitive bird. I mean, and, you know, like that's how humans are. It's like, we're, it's like people don't realize there's an actual human on the mm-hmm. other receiving end of this. Like, yes, we're entertaining you and yes, you're watching. But the other thing that I found that was really interesting was the the troll, if you called them out on the live stream, all of a sudden they're nice. Like they would be like, you're a fucking mm-hmm. idiot. And I'd be like, you know what? Dominic two, two, seven, two, seven, eight, seven basement. I am an idiot. How's your day going? And then he'd be like, oh my God, I love your show. And I'd be like, wait, so all you right? wanted was mm-hmm. a shout out. No. Yeah. Attention. They just want attention. And at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of cute. It's, it's cute. like a little kid acting out and being crazy. But at the end of the day, like they just want your attention. They just want to play with you or talk or interact. So that's so we started responding. Lesson, exactly. Yeah. So we started responding to the trolls and they'd be like our best friends. You know, we're sending them <laughs> holiday cards now. It's. And then other trolls, yes. Oh, Allison. yeah. So, so then true. other trolls would come in, and the the troll that bullied me last week was like, "Yo, you better fucking get out of this chat." And I'd be like, <laughs> "And they're offering to be my mod." It's like, yep. dude, last week you were calling me a fucking idiot, but mm-hmm. we cool now. That's fine. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to touch on is how do you kind of like block out? Because obviously you're a very confident woman. You're inspiring others to be confident and just be themselves. But you are human. So how mm-hmm. do you kind of block out the noise when you do see haters or trolls or how how do you even continue to stream? Mm -hmm. Because I'm sensitive. I don't know. I definitely couldn't be a streamer, but how do you cope? I am so glad that for me, it was like one step at a time in the sense that I started off, I was really small, got to 20 viewers, 100, was really exciting, triple digits. And like my growth has been like slow and steady more or less. And because of that, I've kind of learned to deal with them one step at a time when you like because you deal with that type of attention very differently when you have a smaller community than once you become like a larger name per se I think I kind of just limit exposure to that sort of stuff because I recognize that it is so far out of my control the kind of stuff that people will comment or think of me or say about me so I think I kind of just If I know that there's a certain area where a lot of people will just be saying a lot of rude things about me that, and mind you, I think I'm specifically talking about comments that aren't criticism. What what kind of comments? Just um, like out of There's a common term that's just like Twitch thoughts or calling someone ugly or commenting on things you don't like about them. You know, things that are related to like my looks, that's not something that's ever going to change. Or if you hate the way I sound, I can't change my vocal cords, right? So things that literally are out of my control it only hurts me to continuously read that stuff whereas you know if there's feedback like oh I didn't really like this thing that she said or this thing that she did even if the feedback is kind of said in a rude way at least I know that's something that I can think about reflect on was I happy with the way that I expressed myself in these situations so those are negative comments that like I'm more than happy to take and look at the ones that I can garner no value from reading I just won't read them Um, and it's not easy it's definitely not easy but you kind of try to learn to get out of those habits control yourself takes a lot of willpower but yeah definitely limiting exposure to comments that are just bad Mm. and in chat moderators 
incredible twitch chat moderation is like a key part it's the best to streaming it, like you very, have very to have essential. it i did not yeah. know this in the beginning so we had a lot of <laughs> shit going on in yep. our chat i was like oh my gosh this is scary like mm-hmm. will somebody get these people out of here yeah so yeah that's I, I'm like having, I'm having PTSD. PTSD. Oh, no. I'm a lit. No, it's fine. I'm, oh, not, I I'm gotta not crying. Say, You're crying. <laughs> I gotta say, I've also kind of grown up on the internet. So I think I was a bit more ready for mm. these kind of situations. Have you seen all the jokes about like, the way kids are on like Xbox Live lobbies, right? Like exactly. when you grow up gaming online, interacting with strangers, you know, sometimes like shit just goes down. People are yelling at each other, insulting each other for no reason. So I had my fair share of that. Oh, and me and my brother would banter a lot when we were younger. Mm. So, so you're ready for it. A little bit, right? But no one's ever ready for the kind of stuff that you get when you're like a public figure on the internet. How many partners does Twitch have on the platform today? I think today... Rough count is about 30,000. So there's 30,000 people that are your children. (laughs) How do you personally keep track of all of them and make sure that obviously you have a team, it's not just you, Mm -hmm. but what is a day-to-day like for you and your interactions with the partners? In terms of interaction, I'm spending, I'm spending less time communicating on a macro level nowadays. I'm focused much more on a micro level. So talking to individual partners, I'm out here in LA right now, meeting with a few partners today and tomorrow. For my team and the entire partnerships department, it's kind of broken down to different facets. So we have people that focus on individual communities, like I mentioned earlier, people who focus on uh, first-person shooters, people who focus on fighting in communities like Street Fighter, and other people who focus on stuff like charity. And then beyond that, we also look at people who are broken up by regions. So we have a Twitch community in Europe. We have one in Latin America and Asia. So we have different representatives in these different regions that also have their own strengths. And for us, really... That 30,000 plus partners that we have is kind of broken down to each of those regions. And for us, we, we service them in different ways, you know. In Asia, there's a lot of growing communities. So it's really about building up a presence, not only for Twitch, but for the individual creators. Whereas in Europe and, and North America, they're much more prevalent. They're much more present in terms of the industry. So it's more about how do we grow them beyond mainstream? How do we get them connected with sponsors and advertisers that are non-endemic to the brand? Every day is different. Every day is different, and the way that I'm working with the community isn't directly portrayed out to the public on a day-to-day, but more so in terms of events like E3, like PAX, being at those events. There's a lot of things that my team does, not only from like a product standpoint, but also just like a from an interaction standpoint. There's a lot that we do. Uh, we have usually parties at these events. That gives us a big opportunity to like communicate and reach out to partners that we've otherwise not been able to talk to in the past mm-hmm. and really build up like a, a personal relationship and really forge that bond between the partnerships team and the individual creators. Because ultimately the way I look at things, the partnerships team is like Tron and the partners are really the users. We're fighting for them. What was the moment that you realized you had real influence? Oh, I went to a League of Legends finals kind of tournament that was like the first time that I was really like overwhelmed by the amount of fans. Like there were people taking photos of the fact that it was like me and then like a bunch of fans and it became like a fire hazard level. And I think I was really touched by that because I won't lie, the League of Legends community skews a bit more toxic than most other gaming communities. And sometimes that's like mostly what you hear, just like the toxicity and the rude comments. You're like, oh, like I mustn't be like, that loved or enjoyed but like showing up to an event 
and having like an insane amount of people like around me or want to take photos or say hi I guess that's when I realized like wow we like did a thing there are people when when they like me they really like me (laughs) but hopefully everyone who listened got to understand the world of twitch a little bit more and also the partnership program and streaming and you've got a lot on your plate i'm happy to have it yeah it sounds like for having me it sounds like a really fun job it is it's a dream come true and again like i'm humbled every day to be doing what i'm doing so you're not leaving twitch anytime soon no i'm here like ever no i know i want a job there too now (laughs) hiring we are oh well <laughs> let's talk off air oh shit <laughs> <laughs> thanks for stopping by i am so excited for everyone to hear this interview and i'm sure you'll be back because something tells okay. me you have your your hands in a couple of pots that i'm gonna want to learn about <laughs> i don't know i'm just guessing oh maybe one day who knows all right guys well i hope you enjoyed the last ever podcast because i'm becoming a streamer <laughs> starting Deuces. peace out it was nice having you but yeah we will let you go Thank you for Thanks coming. For we loved having you. This was so much fun. We hope you I'm like, thank yeah, you again. Hope you Bye enjoy. again. <laughs> See you later again. Bye. Bye. <laughs> all right, folks. That's all she wrote. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Kevin Lynn, co-founder of Twitch, Pokimane, number one most followed female streamer, and of course, Anil, the director of partnerships at Twitch. I hope you guys are having a lovely Wednesday. I am looking forward to hearing feedback from you guys, and I will listen if you never want to hear this again. No problem. In the meantime, toodaloo. Behind the Influence is a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.